be in the book of Genesis this morning, and uh, Genesis chapter number 13, Genesis chapter number 13 this morning, and um, I think probably if there is a place that we have, if not failed, at least faltered, uh, when it comes to the church, it is uh, in the area of addiction. And uh, often it's either swept under the rug, or you're just not praying hard enough, or uh, other things that we have done where um, uh, we have just hoped it would go away. And uh, just a, a, great, um, uh, a great song. Uh, for uh, a great truth, God can use so many things uh, to help people through uh, the most difficult times uh, in their life. Genesis chapter number uh, 13, and uh, it is good to have uh, the dyes with us uh, in the services uh, this morning, and uh, I've got some um, family members here, and so we're uh, so happy to see them this morning, good to have them with us, and uh, we are uh, blessed to be uh, the first church uh, that Andrew Droll has been in, so we're so thankful for that, and uh, thankful for uh, Mama and Baby doing well, and uh, we certainly praise the Lord uh, for being able to have a part uh, in their ministry as they continue to um, raise their support to get to Uganda. And uh, we're glad to partner, be able to partner uh, with them. Genesis chapter number 13 and verse number 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on in his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and High, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their Substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled there, dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herd, herdmen. And thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. 
before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So, get, get the idea here. Abram and Lot... Uh, are together, and they're very wealthy people. They have a, uh, a lot of cattle. They have, uh, uh, they have gold. They have silver. They have all these things. They're very, very successful. And they get to a place where their success has outgrown the land that they are in together. So as you imagine, if you have a, 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 a bunch of cattle and, and somebody else has a bunch of cattle, well, if you only have so much land, something has to be done. I mean, you have to uh, uh, figure out where the cattle are going to graze. You've got to figure out where all these things are going to happen. And uh, that's where they were. And it started causing strife, uh, started causing conflict between um, Abram's a cattle herdman and Lot's cattle herdman. And so they begin to argue. Well, Abram gets, um, and by the way, Abram, if you don't know, his name is not switched yet, so it's still Abram. His name doesn't switch later until, uh, until later, and they call him Abraham, so the same person. Uh, but uh, Abram uh, uh, gets wind of this, hears of this, and says, and goes to Lot and says, Look, listen, we're kin. I mean, we're related. There, there should be no strife between me and you, and there should be no strife between your men and my men. So this is what we'll do. This is, a, this is not a big deal. Abraham's heart here is right, of course, and, and he says, look, what we're going to do is uh, we'll just kind of separate. Uh, uh, so, so that we can have more land and, and you can have your land and I can have my land and, and our herdsmen can, have, can take care of their cattle in their own land. And so Abraham says to Lot, whatever you want, if you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. You pick. You decide. And the Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld the riches of the plains. He beheld this, uh, uh, this, um, this spot that would, be, that would be great for his cattle, that would make him more money, that would make him richer, and he decided to go that way. So Abraham said, okay, whatever way you go, I'll go the opposite way. Not because he wanted to separate from Lot, that wasn't Abraham's uh, uh, desire. Abraham's desire was to, to stop the strife and get the cattle separated. So Lot really starts his problem by lifting up his eyes. But his problem doesn't really start until the Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now that doesn't 
necessarily mean that he took his tent and he faced it towards Sodom, though he probably did that. The point is he got closer and closer and closer to the place that he had no business being in. You see, I want to I preach you on this subject, uh, the subject of backsliding. The subject of going down a slippery slope. Now, I don't believe for one second, looking in the world that we're living in today, I don't believe for one second that everybody that says they're saved is saved. Now, I can't judge your heart. You can't judge mine. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you there's a lot of people out there that call themselves Christians that don't look like it. They don't talk like it. They don't act like it. I mean, their Facebook doesn't look like it. I mean, their social media doesn't look like it. Hey, they don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. They don't witness. They don't, they don't pray. They don't do any of these things, but they jump up and down and talk about being a Christian. I'm not saying that everybody that claims to be a Christian is a Christian, but I'm telling you there are some people that are Christians that are away from the Lord. There are some people you might even know that used to sit in these pews. They don't even go to church. And, and can I tell you, nobody, listen to me, nobody goes from, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to serve in the church and I'm going to be a Sunday school teacher and I'm going to be a deacon and I'm going to, and I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to do all these things and then poof, the next moment, they're away from the Lord. It doesn't happen that way. You know, you know how it happens, right? It happens one step at a time. Just like doing right takes one step at a time. You don't, listen, you don't live in the world and live for the devil and, and sin and, and do all these things and, and go to bed at night and, and then wake up the next morning and you're holy. That's not how that works. Right? It's, a ste- it's step by step, stepping in the right direction. How many people have ever been in the snow? Wow, that's a lot of people for the south. We've got a lot of people from the north that are now in the south, or at least once lived in the north. Have you ever gone sledding or skiing or snowboarding and you didn't go to those fancy places. See, when I went snow, I, I hated skiing. Now, I know that's like you're not supposed to say that from the north. But I can't stand to ski. I can't ski at all. I just can't do it. But I love to snowboard. But when I was a kid, you, you, you didn't go. Most of, these, most of these ski resorts didn't even allow snowboarders. Uh, you could only, it was, it, was, it was taboo to snowboard. And so if we wanted to snowboard, we either had to um, go somewhere obscure we had to you know break the rules at the ski resort and get kicked out one of the two and so what we do is we go and there's you know at a ski resort you have those lifts that would take you to the top of the hill right well if you're not at a ski resort you didn't have a lift you had to walk up the hill you had to walk up the hill carrying your snowboard and if you're walking up in snow one thing that snow is is slippery Man, have you ever walked up somewhere and go up one step forward, two steps back? You you just keep sliding, you keep sliding, you keep sliding. Listen, that's what happens 
when we begin to get away from the Lord. We take one step in the wrong direction. We pitch our tent towards Sodom. We pitch our tent in the wrong direction. I want you to know and I want you to understand that according to the Word of God, Lot, according to the New Testament, Lot was a righteous man. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. He was a, now, now I'm talking about positionally he was a righteous man. Practically, we obviously know that he, had, he, he backslid and, and just messed his life up uh, uh, really good. But positionally, so how, how can we say that Lot was backsliding? How do you know if you're backslidden or lost? A lot of people get confused by that. I want you to understand something about being saved. If you've ever been to my church, you've, you've heard me say it because I, I say it in every service. What does it mean to be saved? You see, unfortunately, a lot of people believe that to be saved is to live your life a certain way. To be saved is to be to be baptized. To be saved is to live holy and walk righteously. But I want you to know something. To be saved is to simply put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to know this. You can be saved and never be baptized. You could be saved and never Read your Bible. You can be saved and never pray, other than your prayer to be saved. How do I know that? Because I know that the, the, the thief on the cross, when he, when he died and he asked God to remember him, what did Jesus say? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He was never baptized. He only prayed that one prayer, that prayer to Jesus on the cross. He didn't live a holy life. Obviously, he was hanging on the cross. He died on that cross when Jesus died on the cross. So he didn't do any of those things. None of those things. Now, those things are important to someone that is saved. But those things don't save anybody. You see, there are only two camps when it comes to salvation. There's, this, there's, the, there's the, the grace camp and there's the works camp. Those are the only two camps when it comes to being saved. You either place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you're saved, or you do some kind of work to be saved. Now, I want you to know this. I want you to understand this. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you are saved and you are saved forever. Now, I'm not saying if you pray to prayer, I'm not saying if you did the best you could. I'm not saying if you joined the church. I'm not saying if you got baptized. I'm saying if you placed your faith and trust in Christ. I'm not talking about if your parents brought you to Sunday school or brought you to church. Listen, preacher, I've been in church my whole life. That doesn't make you saved. I read my Bible every single day. That doesn't make you saved. Now, I want you to know something. Coming to church and, uh, and reading your Bible and praying and witnessing and living a holy life, those are products of being saved. 
Right? I have a real problem with someone that says they're saved and there's no evidence. And by the way, if you are saved and know Christ as your Savior and you claim to be born again and you can sin and sin and sin and it never bothers you, there's a Holy Spirit problem. And the problem isn't the Holy Spirit. The problem is the lack of the Holy Spirit. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? He comes and indwells us and lives inside us at the point of salvation. When we got saved, when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, He came and dwelt us and lives inside of us. So when we sin, right? When we sin, because let's be truthful. We've all said things that we, didn't, we shouldn't have said. We've all done things we shouldn't have done. I'm not saying after you get saved, you become perfect. Because that's not true. I mean, we all, we all falter. We all sin. We all have, have, have our issues. But let me tell you something. If it doesn't bother you, the Holy Spirit make you feel uncomfortable when you sin. And if you can continue to do the things that you're doing and it never bother you, then you need to do a heart check. So are you born again? Are you saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Because if you have, then once you have that, 1 John 5 tells us that we have that for eternity. We have that forever. We can never lose it. No one can ever take it away. You see, you can come and you can, you can if I, I got a pen, you could take my pen from me. You can... You can try to take my wallet from me. You can, you can come and try to take my keys. Right? I mean, you can come and take things from me, but you can't come and take my salvation. Nobody in here can take my salvation, and I can't take yours. I can never declare. It doesn't matter how much I don't like you. It doesn't matter how much you don't like a person. It doesn't matter how much a person does. You can't go up to them and declare them unsaved. You don't have that ability. By the way, Satan doesn't have that ability. And he's far more powerful than we are. And he doesn't have that ability. The only person that has that ability is God, and God said he wouldn't do it. So once you're saved, you're saved forever. But Lot is an example of a believer that, that gets away, that backslides that goes in the wrong direction. And if we're not careful, listen, Paul said this, I am what I am simply by the grace of God. If it wasn't for God's grace, understand this, if it wasn't for God's grace, the next time you go to look down your nose at somebody, be careful because if it wasn't for the grace of God, there go you. There go I. That, that could be me. That could be you. Do you understand that we are all capable of doing whatever sin there is out there? We're all capable, capable of that. And if we're not careful and we allow pride to get in, you remember what happened to Peter? When, when Jesus declared to Peter that Peter would deny him, Peter was floored. Deny you? Huh. Yeah. 
I would never deny you, Lord. I, I, and, and in Peter's mind, he could never deny him. But what did Peter do? Three times. Just as Jesus said that he would do. Now, Peter went and went away and he wept bitterly and he went back to fishing and he did all these things because he was, he was uh, uh, sorry for what he did and he was, he was destroyed for what he did. But I want you to know something. If you let pride get in, you could be in the same situation as Peter. You could be in the same situation as anybody that you can think of. Because I want you to know something. Every one of us, if we're not careful... It could happen to us. It could happen to me. It could happen to you. So often I've seen, and it's unfortunate, it comes out, it comes out more, and I guess it probably should, because we should be held at a at, at a higher standard uh, to a certain extent. But uh, every time a preacher messes up, it's front news. I mean. 50,000 other people could mess up. When the preacher messes up, loud and proud. And every time a preacher messes up, you know what my first thing is? My first thought is, my first thought is never, I knew that was coming. My first thought is never, oh yeah, I, I, knew, I knew a few things about that guy. My, you know what my first thought is? Lord, help me never to go that way. It's my first thought. My first thought is to, is to pray for... You know, you, know, you know an indictment on independent Baptists? Let me tell you an indictment on independent... I'm independent Baptist. I'm independent Baptist by conviction. I'll tell you like a preacher told me one time. If I wasn't independent Baptist, I'd be ashamed. I'm an independent Baptist, okay? But let me tell you, you know what an indictment on us are? We kick our wounded. I mean, we kick our wounded. I mean, we're... You know what the Bible says about spiritual people? They restore. Spiritual people restore other people, not kick them. Not kick them when they're down. Not make them feel worse than they already do. I mean, it's absolute, it's absolute tragedy. I remember years ago, I was uh, at, a, at a conference. Me and my family went to every year. Went to this conference and there was this preacher that was going to be there, and I um, was looking forward to hearing him. I'd never heard him before, and uh, he was going to he was going to be there for, for the conference. He was going to be a speaker at the conference, and um, this I won't even tell you what the, the conference is, but the the main speaker got up and said that this this person would not would not be here, and the reason this person would not be here is because. He has morally failed and went into this long dissertation about really about a bunch of stuff that was none of anybody's business and talked about how this guy did this and then ruled his family and blah, 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 and talked to just talking. I mean, I'm talking about raw, it just happened. A week later, the guy hung himself. Preacher hung himself. Some of you will remember, remember who that is. And, and, um, and I thought to myself, who came alongside of him to try to help him? Who came alongside of him and tried to, tried to restore him? Who came alongside of him to, to try to make a difference in his life? No, they just, they just attacked him. How 
dare he? Let me tell you something. You could be in that same situation. You could be in that same place if you don't put some things into place in your life. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about Lot. You see, God gives us in the Word of God some people that we can follow. Right? Great examples of people that we could follow in the Word of God. People like Joseph and people like Daniel. People in the New Testament like, uh, like Paul and, 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 and people in the, in the New Testament like, uh, like Barnabas and, and all these examples that we have in the Word of God of people that, that, that God says, man, these are, these, are, these are great men of God. These are great women of God following their you know what Peter, You know what Paul said? Follow me as I follow Christ. So it's not, it's not wrong to follow men as long as men are following Christ. Uh, they, they lead a good example, then follow them. But then God gives us another example in the Word of God. He gives us an example of people that we can learn from, but, but don't follow. Lot's one of those examples. We can learn from his mistakes. It's kind of like, uh, take David, for instance. David was what? What did God call David? Man after his own heart, right? David was a man of God. When, when, uh, when, when David was confronted, he repented. I mean, David loved the Lord. David wrote most of the Psalms that we find in the Bible. And so uh, David was a man of God. But boy, did David make some mistakes. I mean, he was, he was up there on the mistake level. I mean, not only does he commit adultery, but then he, then he, then he kills her husband to cover it up. I mean, David, David sold the wind and he reaped the whirlwind in his life. So God says, look, there's a, there's a point that you can follow. Listen, follow David. Because when, you remember when Nathan came along? That old, that old prophet, he came along. I love that story. And he comes along and he tells David a story. He tells us David this story about this, uh, about this uh, lamb and, and this guy. He had all these sheep, and, but he went and took this one guy who only had one, and, and he took it from him, and David was wroth. I mean, he was upset. You let me know who that is, and I'll take care of that cat. That's what David said. Well, kind of what he said. But he said, I'll, I'll take care of him. And, 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 Nathan, and Nathan said, oh, David, I want you to know something. I'm talking about you. You are the man. Can you, can you imagine? I can just picture it in my mind. Nathan taking that old bony finger and pointing in David's face and said, thou art the man. You know what David did? David didn't get wroth with Nathan. Although David could have had Nathan killed, couldn't he? He was the king. He could have done whatever he wanted to. You know what he did? He repented. He repented. Psalm 51. Read Psalm 51. The Psalm of Repentance. Where David repented. And you know, you know what? David messed up, but you know what his reaction was? His reaction was repentance. His reaction was getting right with the Lord. And so I want you to know something. There are some things to follow, and there are some things to, to, to learn from and never follow, uh, but to learn from other people's mistakes. Be careful because the choices that you make could end up leading you down a slippery slope. I've given this illustration. 
before, but it's absolutely, I, I still have nightmares about it. We went to Ecuador, and that little rat back there sitting, sitting, sitting back there doing the sound, we're up, way up, you know, up in the, in the mountains, obviously, in the, actually in the volcanoes, and, and uh, where um, our missionaries are, and, um, and, and, and it says, you want to you go for a ride? If you're in Ecuador and they ask you if you want to go for a ride, say, no, thank you. Went for a ride on this one-lane road up like 650,000 feet above sea level. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're on this road. I'm talking about a one-lane road in a truck. And there are people, other people on the road. They're passing us. I'm thinking to myself, it's one lane. And I'm, not, I'm talking about a mountain on one side. On the other side is just a sheer cliff. This one big truck come by, and there's a bunch of people standing in the back of the truck, holding on, waving at everybody. I said, you're all going to die. And so they drive on. I said, I said, you've heard me say this before. I, I, I said to them, I said, look, I said, you either pass on the mountainside or I'm dropping your support. Don't go on the other side. So he got over there. He's just laughing, you know. And they're over there with two wheels off the side of the mountain. Just it's like hey so we get up to where we're going and we get out and and uh and i'm we we're, I'm, I'm, we're up high i'm not a, i'm not afraid of heights but i'm telling you we're up there and 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 anna's here's the edge of the mountain and anna's over here going dad look over here it's really far down so i can see from over here how far down it is i don't need to go over there I said, Anna, come back over here. One wrong step. One slip. If the rock moves, if anything happens, you're going over the mountain. And by the way, it was so hot. I'm telling you, you could write your last will and testament on the way down. That's how high it was. I'm not joking. And, I'm, and, she, and she's over here going, oh, so cute. And, uh, and she did the same thing when we went hiking one time. She's over there sitting, dangling her feet over the side of the... It's like, what, what, do I tell when, what do I tell your mother? Kyle was with us then. I said, look, Kyle, she goes over. We just might as well hold hands and jump with her. Because ain't neither one of us going back and telling mama. I can tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, she was just playing on the edge and fell over. But you know, spiritually, that's what happens to people all the time. They get closer and closer and closer. And how many times have I said this? The closer you get to the world, the farther away from you get from God. Right? I mean, if I'm going if if I'm, if I'm to walk over here, if I'm going to get closer to Luke... Then I've then I've got to get I've got to get I gotta get farther away from, from this side of the church. Every time. I can't be in two places at one time. And here's the world, right? Here's the world, here's the flesh, here's the devil, and we've got so many Christians today that are dangling their feet. I mean, they're hanging right on the edge. And all it's gonna take is one more bad decision. All it's gonna take is one more bad move. Have you ever heard this before? Or have you ever said this before? Oh, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Here's my question. What were you doing in the wrong place? 
does it matter if it was the wrong time or not? Why were you in the wrong place to begin with? Don't see how close you can get to the world. See how far away from the world you can get. You see, if that's the edge of the mountain, I have a far less likely chance of falling over that mountain if I'm way over here. I mean, somebody would have to pick me up, and they would have to be somebody really large to pick me up and carry me over there and throw me off the edge. But if I'm over here dangling around, if I'm over here playing, if I'm over here driving my car right on the edge, we get to the, listen, we get, we get to the point where we're stopped. There's no turning around. I said, tell, please tell me we're not going to back up all the way off this mountain. How do we get down off this mountain? Oh, there's a turnaround. Oh, okay, that's great. So we go up the rest of the mountain. We get to this guy's a guy's house. He lives in this, like, it's in the cave. He's got a postage stamp of a yard. I said, I said, great. Now the mountain ends. Where are we turning around? He said, this is the turnaround spot. I said, you are joking me. He said, no. He said, this is where we're going to turn around. I said, Said, you're dangerously close. I'm telling you, you are dangerous. I said, I'm just gonna I'm gonna walk down. He said, well, I've got it. So he comes and he backs, he, he pulls in to do a three-point turn and backs up. Now we're in the back seat of this truck. His kids are behind us in the in the truck. And he backs up and he's back, and here's the here's the mountain right here. And he just and he comes. I mean, he's like the back ends, and the kids are going, oh, this is so cool. I'm like, I'm like having a heart attack. Because the first thing I'm thinking is one little slip. What, what happens if the brakes go out? It's the kind of things you think, right? When you think, especially when you get older. When you get older, you start worrying about everything. You start worrying about how, you know, you, anybody go to the fair? Do you ride the rides? This old boy don't ride any of the rides. I used to ride them all. Not anymore. I don't ride any rides anymore. Uh, I, I don't, I've seen some of the people that put them things together and put them, take them up and put them down, right? And so you think a little bit more when you get older. And so I'm thinking to myself, we're going over the edge. Listen, spiritually, so many people have gone over the edge because they've gotten too close to the world. Let me let me give you a couple things uh, to think about when it comes to uh, when it comes to lot. What what happened? Uh, what happened? Three things uh, concerning uh, Lot's backsliding. Number one, the reason. The reason for his backsliding. For everything, Ecclesiastes tells us there's a season. But I'm telling you, not only is there a season for everything, but there's a reason for everything. There's a reason for everything. Four of Lot's problems, four of Lot's reasons for backsliding uh, that are common to all of us. And if we're not careful, they will cause us to stumble. They will cause us to fall. Number one, success. Listen to me. Success. Success. Is success wrong? No. There's some great people out there that are very, very successful people. But I'm telling you, you better be careful of success. Success, success will uh, uh, cause uh, uh, our head uh, to uh, get bigger, uh, will cause uh, uh, um, uh, 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 
pride to enter into our lives. And, and we've seen it so many times. We get busy with business. We get busy with our jobs. We get busy trying to make money. We get busy trying to be successful. And guess what goes to the backside? Church, prayer, reading our Bibles. Let me tell you one thing. Uh, when we went to college, when we were in college, you were allowed to miss one service and one service only. So I can tell you, I went four years of college. Four years of college, I never once went to a Wednesday night service because I had to work. But I'm here to tell you, when I was in college, you were not allowed to miss any other services. One service only. So I can tell you, you know how easy it is just to miss and then it's easier to miss the next time, and then it's easier to mix the next time. And when you have an excuse because you're trying to get richer or trying to get uh, more successful in your life, you have no time for God. Be careful of success. Number two, selfishness. Selfishness. Look at verse number six. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell uh, together for their substance was great and they could not dwell together and strife entered and selfishness entered. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. You see it too often in people's lives today. What we have just isn't good enough anymore. 1 Timothy 6 and 8, Philippians 4 and verse 11, learn how to be content. God has blessed you. Remember that God has blessed you and be content with such things as you have. Strife is the next thing. Strife is the next thing. You allow strife to get in and I'm telling you, you know how many people are out of church today because they got in an argument? You know how many people are at church today because of people's big mouths? Because of arguments? Because of strife? Because people couldn't get along? Do you know how many times I've told people, listen to me, get over it, sit on opposite sides of the church? I mean, don't ever allow somebody else to determine whether you go to church or not. Determine whether you pray or not. To determine whether you read your Bible or not. Do you know how many people have gotten out of church, gotten away from God, just because of what somebody else said? Let me tell you something. You've got to have tough skin. You want to be in the ministry? You've got to have tough skin. You, want, you see, we, we have this mindset, we have this, uh, uh, um, this idea that when we come to church... It's a safe, safe harbor. It's a, it's a safe place. By the way, it should be, but oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes it's not. You know where people are hurt more than anywhere else? Church. Because of strife. And by the way, it's over something stupid usually. Now, not over, it's not over doctrine. It's over some kind of small problem and strife enters in and strife often drives us away from God, which is connected to the last one in that separation. He got away from the one godly influence in his life. Birds of feather always flock together. He got away from Abraham and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He got away from the godly and he pitched his tent towards the wickedness. Be careful who you're hanging out with. 
Be careful where you take your counsel from. Be careful who you call your friends. Because they'll influence you. And if you're not careful, they'll influence you for the bad and not the good. You think you might be influencing them, but they end up influencing you. And I'm going to tell you something, one step closer, one step closer, one step closer. And I want you to know something about snow. Once you start slipping, it's hard to stop. If you've ever been skiing and you go down, you don't just say, oh, I fell, and you stop, and you get up. You just keep going. And by the way, they tell you when you're going down the mountain and you start flipping, you're supposed to just let your body go loose, limp, and just let it flip. That's kind of hard to do. You know why? Because you're, it's intense. It's how you break legs. You break arms. It always happens. Why? Because once you get going, my dad for years worked at a place that made Teflon. We used to take sheets of Teflon. We'd go up to the top of the hill. You talk about slippery? I mean, we'd go down that hill at a hundred miles an hour. Across the street from where, my, uh, where I grew up, where my dad is, uh, there's a big old hill. There's cows on that hill, and during the winter, it's just all snow. Well, at the bottom of the hill is a creek. And the creek would freeze over pretty easy. It gets cold. And then beyond the creek is a barbed wire fence. Well, that didn't bother us. We were dumb kids. We'd go to the top of that hill, and we'd go down that hill, and the goal was to jettison before you hit the brook. Because if you hit the brook, you hit ice, send you right into the barbed wire fence. And most of the time, we were successful. But every once in a while, you get caught up on the sled. Every once in a while, you didn't bail. Because, you know, it was a dare. How close can you get before you have to jump off? The one that jumps off first is a chicken, you know. And so you don't want to be a chicken, so you got as close as you could. And you didn't like to hit the barbed wire because it hurt. Let me tell you something. Once you start going, once you start sliding, it's really hard to stop. Be aware and beware because the slippery slope is coming when you make the wrong move in your life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning. You've uh, never trusted Christ as your Savior. You're not saved this morning. You never placed your faith and trust in Christ. Uh, Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day so that you could have life and that you could have it more abundantly. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down, and I pray for you. I'm not going to call you by name. I'm not going to come to where you are. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure I'm saved, preacher. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Is there one? Maybe you're here, you're saved. You've trusted Christ as your Savior, but you're not making very good decisions. Maybe you're taking steps in the wrong direction. Can I tell you, rectify it now. Rectify it now. Stop going in that wrong direction because once you hit that slope, it's awfully slippery. Once you hit that slope, you're going to go down and it's going to be really hard to stop. Make the decision now. Decide today to turn around. Decide today to repent. Decide today to 
to walk towards the Lord instead of the world. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing. This morning, a hymn invitation.